Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. If you could stand for the reading of God's word. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The word of the Lord. I'd like to give uh, you opportunity to participate this morning. We'll see how this goes. Um, And probably what we need to do is when I'm done preaching and we have people share, we can go ahead and cut the the, uh, recording off at that point. Um, Could you be robbed and find blessing in it? Matthew Henry, the famous Bible scholar, was once accosted by thieves and robbed of his purse. He wrote these words in his diary. Let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. Second, although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not someone else. When Robinson Crusoe was wrecked on his lonely island, he drew up two columns of what he called good and evil. He was cast on a desolate island, but he was still alive, not drowned as his ship's company was. He was apart from human society, but he was not starving. He had no clothes, but he was in a hot climate where he did not need them. He was without means of defense, but he saw no wild beasts such as he had seen on the coast of Africa. He had no one with whom to speak, but God had sent the ship so near to shore that he could get out of it all the things necessary for his basic wants. So he concluded that there was not any condition in the world so miserable, but that one could find something for which to be grateful. A pastor stopped by the home of a church family for an unexpected visit. Wanting to make a good impression, the lady of the house instructed her daughter, please run and get that good book we all love so much and bring it here. The daughter trotted off and then returned in a minute with a look of triumph on her face and the Sears catalog in her hand. I remember that that was kind of the good book for me when I was a kid, too. Do, do, do we, they still send out those Sears or the pennies or the... Remember Montgomery Wards? We do it all online now, don't we, if you want to look for something. But I remember getting those, especially the Christmas 
version. And just as a kid sitting there and pouring through those and, yeah, here's what I want. Yeah. You know, nothing kills the spirit of Thanksgiving like the day after when Christmas shopping begins in earnest. It's the biggest shopping day of the year and with it comes a change in attitude when we stop thinking about what we have and start thinking about what we want or what everyone else wants. Many of us like to pour or used to like to pour through the Christmas catalog looking at all the neat stuff that we wanted. When really what we should do is spend a lot more time looking at the neat stuff we already have. In Psalm 103, we find a catalog of sorts of God's benefits. Not a Christmas catalog, but a Thanksgiving catalog. Some have called this psalm David's Hallelujah Chorus. It contains 22 verses, the same number of verses as there are letters in the Hebrew alphabet. It is what's referred to as an envelope song, or as my grandmother would have said, an envelope song. Psalm, excuse me. It ends in exactly the same way that it begins, the subject matter being enclosed or enveloped or enveloped between the opening and closing words, which are this, Praise the Lord, O my soul. In the original text, the verses were all of uniform length and all contained two lines each. You would have to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to do that, wouldn't you? So, if ever you struggle with praise to the Lord or thanksgiving, turn to this psalm and recite it back to Him. And so the first benefit we find in our thanksgiving catalog is the forgiveness of sins. Verse 3 says, Who, we're praising the Lord, who forgives all your sins? God, through Jesus, forgives all. All, capital letters, all our sins. That means everything. No sin is too dark. No sin is too gross. No sin is too heinous for God to forgive. Jesus died for all all our sins, no matter what they were or are. And look for a minute at the measure of God's forgiveness. He talks about that in verse 12, where the psalm says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So that's a horizontal measure he's talking about. We take a point on the planet and draw a line horizontally. Now, we can't draw the line north to south because there's a finite distance north to south. If we travel north from a given point, sooner or later, we would reach the North Pole. That's a definite point. Then we travel south to the South Pole, another definite point. The north-south line is infinite, is infinite. Excuse me, finite. We have definite points. We get to a point where we're north. We get to a point 
or we're south. But it's not so with the east-west measure. East and west are a different matter. We can start to travel east and there is no point, so long as we continue in that direction, where we will start to travel west. If you head east, you're always heading east. Or we can start to travel west and no matter how long we continue, there's no point where we start to travel east. West is west and east is east and the twain shall never meet. And that's how far God has taken our sins from us. There's just no point where we'll ever get to them again. He's forgotten about them. In fact, in Micah 7.19 it says this, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. If east, if, if as far as east is from the west doesn't do it for you, then look at this one. Well, God has promised to hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Do you know how, the, how deep the ocean is in its deepest spot? Pretty close. Well, it's found in the Mariana Trench, which is located between, somewhere between the Philippines and Guam, and it's 35,814 feet deep. That is, if you calculate that, that's 6.78 dot, 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 and change miles down. Now, I don't know what the pressure would be at that depth, but it would be incredible. And certainly when this scripture was written, the idea of going into the ocean depths was impossible. Now, I know we do it now. In fact, there's actually been some sort of submersible that went down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench and some, set some sort of record. However, at the point when this scripture was written, that, that thought it was impossible to do this. The point is, it's like our depths are hurled into the depths of the ocean where they are irretrievable. They are gone forever. And if that doesn't do it for you, then look at Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. <clears throat> there was a wealthy English merchant who lived on the European continent and was satisfied with nothing less than the best. This attitude extended even to the cars that he owned. His pride and joy was a Rolls Royce that he had owned for years and that had given excellent service all that time. One day, while he was driving down a bumpy road, his car hit a deep pothole and the rear axle broke. <clears throat> the owner had the car shipped back to the Rolls plant in England and was surprised by the quick repair that was performed. He received no bill for the work, and knowing his warranty had run out, he expected one. He waited months and still no bill came. So finally, he communicated with the company about the bill for his car repairs. And the response from the factory was immediate. The reply said, we have thoroughly searched our files and find no record of a Rolls Royce axle ever breaking. This is a case where the integrity and excellence of that company 
would not permit a flaw in workmanship or materials to be made known. It says, if they had forgotten why the car was sent in for repair in the first place. As such, there was no record. And the excellence of the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary's cross does not permit the acknowledgement of sins that have been forgiven. They have been covered by the blood and are remembered no more. Talk about something to be thankful for. Remember the chorus of the hymn, Covered by the Blood? They are covered by the blood. They are covered by the blood. My sins are all covered by the blood. My iniquities so vast have been blotted out at last. My sins are all covered by the blood. Amen. The second benefit we find in our Thanksgiving catalog is the restoration of health and heals all our diseases, it says. Now, this one can be tough to reconcile because we know that God does not always choose to heal, at least not in a physical sense. But there are three important truths contained in this little portion of Scripture. First of all, all healing is divine healing, and all recovery from sickness, injury, and surgery is the result of healing properties that God has built into our bodies. As thankful as we are for people who are trained to treat us medically, that's what they do. They treat God is still the healer. So, medicine, surgery, and therapy are merely extensions of God's healing ministry. Number two, this verse doesn't say that God heals everyone's diseases, but all diseases. There is no sickness or disease that lies beyond His healing power. Not even what we call incurable. He is the great physician. Now, so, not everyone's diseases, but he is capable of healing all diseases, no matter what that disease is. The mo- and the most important healing is the healing of the soul. Number three, the healing of the soul. Praise the Lord, all, oh, oh my soul, who heals all your diseases. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us, and this is speaking of Jesus, the, the prophet Isaiah is looking down through history, to Jesus. And he says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, the the disease of the soul results from the infection of sin. And Jesus identified this infection and its symptoms and disorders in Matthew 15, 19 through 20. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Carl Menninger said if he could convince patients 
in his psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. Guilt. And just as some of the maladies of the body can be cured by medicine and surgery, so the soul of man can be cleansed and healed by the work of God's Holy Spirit in us through the blood of Jesus Christ. The third benefit. Redemption from the pit. Verse 4 says, Who redeems our life or your life from the pit. The London Times publishes the prices paid for art objects in all the saleswrooms of the world. If a painting is sold in New York or Paris or Rome or London, the Times gives the full details of the sale. You can judge the value of the painting by the price paid for it. And we can judge the value of our lives by the price Jesus paid for us. The depths into which He had to reach in order to redeem us. We praise God with the psalmist who says in Psalm 40 verses 2 and 3, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And we know life can seem like a pit at times. Hell itself is referred to as a pit. But God has redeemed us from both. Lamentations 3.55 I call on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. And Zechariah 9, 11. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. He redeems our lives from the pit, whatever that pit may be for us. The fourth benefit the crown of love and compassion, and crowns you with love and compassion, verse 4 says. Lamentations 3.22 Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. And it goes on to say, His mercies are new every morning. In one of the One of Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman's meetings, a man rose to give the following remarkable testimony. I got off at the Pennsylvania Depot one day as a tramp. For a year I had begged on the streets for a living. One day I touched a man on the shoulder and said, Mister, please give me some money so I can have something to eat. As soon as I saw his face, I recognized that man as my father. Father, don't you know me, I asked. Throwing his arms around me, he cried, I found you, I found you. All I have is yours. Think of it, that I, a tramp, stood begging my father for a few cents when for 18 years he had been looking for me to give me all that he was worth. God wants to take us into the palace along his splendid corridors and into the throne room itself. 
He's going to crown us with blessings because we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And what does He crown us with? With His love and compassion. Nansen, the Norwegian explorer, tried to measure an extremely deep part of the Arctic Ocean. The first day, he used his longest measuring line, but couldn't reach the bottom. He wrote in his logbook, the ocean is deeper than that. The next day, he added more line, but still could not measure the depth. So again, in his record book, he wrote, deeper than that. After several days of adding more and more pieces of rope and cord to his line, he had to leave that part of the ocean without learning its actual depth. All he knew was that it was beyond his ability to measure. So too, we cannot plumb the depths of God's love because our human measuring line is too short. Wide, wide is the ocean, high as the heavens above, deep, deep as the deepest sea is my Savior's love. He crowns us with love and compassion. The fifth benefit is a rewarding life. The scripture says, who satisfies your desires with good things. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And in Psalms 19, verse 11, this, this uh, little psalm, Psalm 119 deals with God's Word. I mean, I don't remember how many verses are in that, but Psalm 19 is kind of the condensed version of Psalm 119. It deals with the Word of God. And at, at, in verse 11, it says this about God's Word, about His commands, about His precepts, about His statutes. It says, By them your servant is warned, in keeping them, there is great reward. A rewarding life. God has promised that if we live according to the truth of His Word, we will live a rewarding life. We will be blessed for that. And throughout history, much has been written about happiness and contentment. Someone wrote, half of the world is unhappy because... It can't have the things that are making the other half unhappy. <clears throat> In his book, Jumping Hurdles, Hitting Glitches, Overcoming Setbacks, Steve Brown writes, the most unhappy person in the world is not someone who didn't get what he or she wanted. The most unhappy person is the one who got what he or she wanted and then found out it was not as wonderful as expected. The secret of a happy life is not to get what you want, but to live with what you've got. Most of us spend our lives concentrating on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. Then we wake up, our life is over, and we miss the beauty of the present. A certain airline pilot had a particular habit. Whenever he took off from his hometown of Minneapolis, he would ask the co-pilot to take the controls, and he would stare intently out the window for a few moments. Finally, the co-pilot's curiosity got the best of him, 
So he asked, what do you always look at down there? See that boy fishing on the riverbank, the pilot asked? I used to fish from that same spot when I was a kid. Whenever a plane flew over, I would watch it till it disappeared and wish I was a pilot. With a sigh, he, he added, now I wish I could be back down there fishing. <laughs> so those things we long for and get sometimes, they're not the things that satisfy, are they? It's living for Jesus. It's walking according to the truth. It's experiencing the benefits that we're talking about in this message. Those are the things that are rewarding. That's a life that's rewarding. And then the sixth benefit is renewal. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, I wish I could say that there are times in our lives as we age that God would remove the ink, remove the wrinkles, take care of the achy joints so we could move freely and we could run fast and jump high just like we did when we were younger. And though this is not the case, I do believe that there are actual physical benefits to godly living. I do. The scripture here is so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The eagle is a large and powerful bird that remains strong throughout its life and soars even in old age. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, Though outwardly we are wasting away, the wrinkles and the anky joints and... Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. The benefit here is that even though we continue to age physically, spiritually, we are continually renewed and in essence remain young and vigorous. We continue to soar. By the way, don't you love the story of uh, Caleb when they came into the promised land? Do you remember that? Eighty years old. And he said, uh, by the way, Moses, 40 years ago, he promised me the hill country. Well, listen, I'm as young and vigorous now as I was then. Give it to me. I'm going to go take it. So there was an 80-year-old guy leading the charge. And you know what? I've seen 80-year-olds like that. I still do sometimes. Some of them are right here. And it's not because... Our bodies are necessarily what they were at age 40, but it's because of the Spirit within us. We continue to soar. So as we grow older and become less physically fit, if we walk with Jesus, we can continue to be spiritually fit, stronger, more mature. Isaiah 40, verse verse 31, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not fade. So, when you find yourself at times caught up in unhappiness and dissatisfaction as you look at your catalog of wants and desires, turn to the Thanksgiving catalog in Psalm 103. And forget not all his benefits. 
You know, we used to sing those choruses in church that could be sung as a round. Well, this psalm can read like that. It locks us into uh, into a circle of unending praise. We get to the end and it becomes a new beginning. We get to the end again and it becomes a new beginning again. This is how we praise or how we will praise in eternity. Have you ever wondered about that? See, we have a tendency to forget the good things and remember the bad. To focus on what we don't have rather than on what we do have. The psalmist reminds us, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. An article from the Literary Digest of September, 20, uh, September 1923 contained this statement. History knows no disaster which paralleled the earthquake and fire that visited Japan this month and laid waste the capital city and chief seaport. The New York Times called this earthquake undoubtedly the greatest disaster in recorded time. The New York Times described the havoc as covering about 45,000 square miles which contained five big cities and a population of 7 million. That was in 1923. Other dispatches reported that virtually every building in Yokohama was destroyed. Perhaps three-fourths of Tokyo was burned and the entire city with its 5 million inhabitants was shattered by the earthquake. A joint survey made by Herbert Hoover and the Red Cross estimated that the dead at that, the dead at almost 300,000 with 2,500,000 people left homeless. Disease and despair rode throughout the, inland, the island empire. Then help came. Help from America to, to help helpless Japan. Food, clothing, medical supplies, and volunteer workers came by the shipload. The American Red Cross collected $10 million from the people of the United States for the suffering and homeless Japanese. Those who lived through the awful earth tremors, the gigantic and and the tongues of fire must perish, it seemed, from starvation and disease. But they didn't. Why? Because America remembered Remembered their need, their suffering, and their hunger. The Japanese were grateful. They put, they even put their appreciation in writing. Walter Kiernan, correspondent for the International News Service, recalls their words, Japan will never forget. Uh, but they did forget. American ships of mercy were forgotten, and the plains of the rising sun brought death and destruction on December 7, 1941. But are the Japanese the only ones who overlook God's past mercies? Long ago, the Lord God of Israel said, Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. God blessed them, but they forgot what God had done. So let's be careful. Especially in this season of thanks. To forget not all his benefits. Amen? We're at 1110. I know. 